Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson, and our community organizer and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We're online at what-s-left.webno.com. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, uh, share your favorite episode, <clears throat> and write down our, uh, our blog, uh, where you found this episode. Thank you. All right, well, let's see. Today we'll be discussing what, let's see, vaccine mandates and the pressure to get the jab, uh, the Delta variant, right, and everything in between. Uh, I think this is an episode that is maybe fulfilling to our <laughs> our space of just being able to share what's been on our minds recently. Yeah. Because I've also been feeling some things around this. Uh, I just want to state from the start that we've been getting amazing support from folks, our cult following, as I'd like to say, and I may not always be in communication with them as much as Andy is, and, and, but I, I do appreciate every person that is listening or people that find some of these conversations hard that are still staying in the conversation with us and that question and are also open to different ideas and the people who have been sticking around or listened to the entire episode, sometimes these crazy long episodes. I appreciate your your you being there, being present for these. That's all I just wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. I I think we don't have the hugest audience, but I really like the people who um, are regularly listen and tell us their thoughts, and it's it definitely keeps me um, gives me a little bit of hope at a time when uh, there's not much hope to be had. Okay, let's go ahead. So, me off anyway. I mean, I, I think um, I agree with you, Eduardo, that a lot of these things have been on our minds, but I think what we were going to start with was, Kenny, you know, you've, you've, as a person who's a restaurant worker in San Francisco, and San Francisco has been having a lot of both um, government edicts um, and also private companies are, are making beginning mandates. Um, You've had some experiences with this, so you you were going to probably kick off this discussion with your experience around vaccines and fear, and we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> over the last year and a half, or you know, the duration of the pandemic, um, the mandates uh, affect the industry, you know, the restaurant industry. You know, I work in the restaurant industry, a small mom and pop place. I'm the manager there. Um, and we're a small staff. Um, some people were let go at the beginning of the pandemic, so we stayed really small. And then when things opened up, we had to ramp up. When things go down, we have to ramp down. You know, um, and so there was also in San Francisco or the Bay Area, Northern California, we had the fires that also affected you know, our ability to uh, do our job. And so at, at every twist and turn, um, you know, we've uh, been stretched not only, um, you know, mentally, emotionally, but physically as well, because the job has become extra demanding. Um, and so, you know, like these mandates um, have added a lot of stress. And in, in, in obviously, from my perspective, it is frustrating because a lot of times they contradict themselves, right? Like you can go to the mall, but 
uh, a restaurant was not able to open, you know, or like, you know, like I remember a friend who had a small like um, a hair salon and uh, she posted something along the lines of, you know, oh, COVID doesn't exist in Walmart, in Target, it only exists in small businesses and, you know, in, in small places or, or the ridiculousness of being able to ride a plane, right? Like being separated outside by being packed inside, right? And, and, and so a lot of these contradictions or even like at work, you know, our bosses, you know, saying one thing, but contradicting themselves because, you know, they were, um, a lot of people are acting out of anxiety and that, you know, logic as I were, we're interrogating things from a scientific approach, right? Like asking questions, poking holes, seeing, um, but blindly following whatever the CDC says. Um, and, um, on top of the physical demands, the emotional strain, uh, the frustrations, you know, of trying to make a living in these conditions, uh, you have people suddenly being in interested in your medical history, right? Like vaccine, such a casual topic. And, um, you know, being one person that, is, one of the few people uh, where I work not being vaccinated, um, always hearing you know uh, comments not only not only customers customers but fellow workers right or 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 seeing their doubts around hanging out uh even though some of my workers have done crazy shit you know and and in the whole pandemic we've been exposed to so many people um there were only two people that came down with the virus and it wasn't severe um and so now we get to now right like here we go again in a different way, right? Like there is anxiety ramping up. People had relaxed a bit. Things were open. We were seating people inside. Also, by the way, risking our lives crossing the street because we we're a small place, so we had to cross the street. Never mind. That is a uh, you know higher probability of of dying for me than than actually catching the virus, developing the illness, and dying from the illness. Um, and so, but here are all these anxieties. Never mind. You know the kitchen staff working in had conditions in the grill, you know, with a mask on, um, 110 degrees probably for eight hours, you know, in a day. Uh, but the virus is the most, uh, the biggest threat we face, you know, and so here we go again, we, you know, adding tables because, you know, ramping up and then taking them away, you know, and relearning the table numbers, you know, and, and relearning or coming up with new policies for the moment. You know, all these things cause frustration and it's just, um, again, we get to now the, the Delta variant is in everyone's mouth. And, and so what the hell is the Delta variant anyway? You know, a lot of people and a lot of articles that I read for this episode don't really explain what it is. It just says it's dangerous. You know, it's, it's more contagious, but that's it. It doesn't really go into the particulars. And it says the vaccine may or may, it probably helps, you know, the, the vaccines. And, um, but yet, you know, uh, I'm starting to see a lot of people that have been vaccinated um, come down with the virus. Doesn't mean they have the illness, but at least they are reporting to have the virus, vaccinated people. Um, I've been around a lot of people, you know, in, in San Francisco in like gatherings, massive gatherings, where people are outside but without masks. Um, I was. Uh, I also went to Lake Tahoe uh, around people where, like, maybe twenty percent of the people are wearing a mask. Maybe, you know. In 
you know, I'm seeing other people getting sick now. So that's what, you know, like where I'm starting to like pay attention, you know, people that are vaccinated coming with flu-like symptoms or calling out of work. And this is where it goes back to the working conditions of the moment. It, it, this is everywhere in the, the, the industry in San Francisco, for sure. My suspicion is that is, uh, you know, at a greater scale, we have a shortage of workers. You know, when I went to Lake Tahoe, I noticed there were um, incentives and in, uh, for hiring people. Even fast food restaurants are offering, you know, $600, $500 bonus for uh, getting hired. I don't know the details of, you know, how long until you get it. But the point is that there's a shortage of workers and the, these new mandates just add even more stress again to the point that, you know, I feel like I am losing my mind. I am breaking down. I am exhausted in so many ways. I'm irritable. Uh, I find uh, so many things ridiculous. Um, and yet, even though I hear some people interrogating, oh, I will not get a, a, a booster shot. The, the, there is no interrogation of the efficacy or even the need or any concerns for, you know, um, you know, any like a dependency on these vaccines or, you know, whether these variants, if they exist as they say they do, are they really coming from the unvaccinated or are they coming from the vaccinated people? Because that is one concern that I think we voice here that, you know, the, the dependency, right? Like the, the you know, these uh, basically shitty antibodies will give room to other variants. Um, and never mind, right? Like that we have to, um, never mind that we don't interrogate the fact that to live a healthy life, you don't need a fucking vaccine. <laughs> you need good housing. You need to li live a life li free of stress, good medical care, good food, the ability to exercise and not work three jobs. And so, but again, we, we are hoping that a, a vaccine will get us healthy, when, you know, um, and, and it's just concerning for the, for the future. And now, like, this is the kicker now for me, that 500 bars in San Francisco have banded together, well, San Francisco and the Bay Area, I believe, banded together to require vaccination proof. Not because the state told them, not because, you know, governments told them, but because it's out of their own whatever, uh, so now they, and I don't, but, but they are associating with the state because they are using a state provided registration system, right? Uh, the other day I went with my girlfriend to, to a bar yesterday actually, and we went in and they had the, I knew, you know, some bars are giving you the option if to provide proof to uh, be a customer inside, or you could be a customer outside without vaccine. So we said immediately, we want to sit outside. We didn't, he answered, are you vaccinated? Do you have criminal vaccination? And we said, uh, we, we're going to sit outside. That wasn't enough, right? Like this wasn't, he was just curious. Are you guys vaccinated? You know, and, and, and so again, and, and, and then I was thinking, I was listening to um, um, Vijay Prashad um, and, and how, you know, we were the greatest uh, battle for our, our generation. The last 20 years was basically uh, Western liberalism versus Islamic extremism. And now I feel like we have a transition into the 
uh, pro-science vaccinated versus the unscientific brutes. And, and, and that's scary, you know, because uh, science has been weaponized. And, but that's where, like, it's just even more frustrating because it's not just, it doesn't just affect my life at work, but it affects my social life, the way we make community you know, in different places, uh, which sadly, you know, it's bar sometimes or, or just, um, it, you know, socializing is, is getting harder and it's getting, it's a starker divide. And people are feeling pressure to the point that I know people that are buying cards to demonstrate that they, they have a vaccine. Eduardo, do you want to go from here or what, you know? Yeah, I could go. I mean, I think we should share from a personal perspective okay. first. Yeah. Because... You know, we're all, like I said from the very beginning, this might be fulfilling in the sense that we have a place, an outlet to be able to share our frustration. We, yeah, we're going to go into some details and maybe some, you know, you, Andy, being with your science backgrounds, whatever that means today. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, we'll go into what Delta variants mean. Um, but I think I have also been feeling very strong i'm i'm upset that this week i've been asked multiple times about my vaccine status i've been asked by close friends and i have also asked them to stop asking me and whether i took the vaccine or not is none of anyone's business i think it's a choice and everyone should have that choice and it reminds me a lot <laughs> i don't know how this is the connection i was thinking one time i was in someone's vehicle and you know I, they know i mean they know i i'm here on what's left they know what i say on facebook i mean and and it reminds me of like someone asking me are you gay or something you know <laughs> just sorry but it, that was the connection i made in the vehicle i said i mean i'll share that with you if i feel like it but are you i mean i don't know why are we discussing i don't I mean suddenly it's just mm -hmm. just random so anyhow i just it's been very frustrating. I'm also going on a trip and the, the, there have been changes in, in, uh, in whether people will be going into bars or clubs or restaurants, certain places. And uh, here the Bar Association in San Francisco has recently decided that you have to demonstrate that, you're, that you've been vaccinated or proof of test and you have to enter in some places with masks. Um, and it's causing a lot of anxiety for not just me, but also other people because I know workers that have taken the vaccine under duress. This is what it is. It's under duress. I know workers, Latinos, who part of the, the reopening of school movement who are coming to me and saying to me, Maestro, like, mi esposo tuvo que tomarse la vacuna porque my, my husband had to take the, 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 the vaccine because otherwise he's going to lose his job. And we have kids. I mean, one thing is I'm being so, you know, um, what do you call it, um, stubborn, necio. And another thing is like being able to like, how do I then comfort a family member who is just like, you know, I tell them, you know, do your own research and, you know, make it's about your choice, but they don't feel it's their choice, right? Because they're under duress, they're under this pressure. And so it's not fair that people are just randomly asking all kinds of questions about vaccine status. And I know teacher friends, the United Educators of San Francisco had recently come out saying that they support the idea of vaccines, but they also recommend testing. 
And suddenly I saw on Twitter, they they changed it a little bit. They tweaked it just a little bit, right? Before I was I got on. And people are praising it like, okay, there's positivity. I see all kinds of on Facebook, different groups of, you know, because I'm, I'm part of these groups because of families in San Francisco that are trying to keep up with what's going on in schools. And I mean, I'm not, I'm sure they don't want me to be their fan. And I'm not really their fan either, the UESF people. But at least they didn't say they, they want complete, complete for now. I don't know how long this is going to last for, but they didn't say what San Jose Unified School District said, which is they are mandating vaccines for all workers. And I have teacher friends. I'm never going to out them, but I have teacher friends who are very fearful in San Francisco and they're hanging by a thread and they're just hoping that UESF will not give them over to the state and have them be vaccinated, you know? So it's, it's a very tricky situation. And we are after the 18th of June, when Newsom declared the, the digital COVID-19 vaccine record portal, um, this is the future of vaccine passports, the QR codes and all of that, that's going to happen. It's going to happen sooner or later. And the last thing I'll say, this country is so pathetic. We should be seeing what France is doing. I have friends telling me the left and the right, the conspiracists for the third week in a row, they have been out on the streets. Thousands and thousands have taken to the streets around France to protest the government's health pass law, which was passed by the parliament recently and still needs, um, I think some, um, it's not like enacted, it just needs some green light. But what I'm what I'm reading and, and also what I'm talking with friends is just that, but I'll just say what's admirable is that it's, it's people on the left and right, the yellow vest movement. And maybe we might have to revisit that because it's just amazing how they are coming together. I mean, Everyone is unified mostly around this. And I mean, like I said, vaccine conspiracists as well as vaccinated people. I mean, they're just together and families are really angry over, um, you know, the dictation of who can and who cannot go to school. And if the ones who are going to be vaccinated. Last thing, and then I'll turn it over. A lot of us, like myself, I'm not declaring my status yet, but a lot of us, I don't know if I have actually on, on what's left. I don't care. But what I really want to say is I'm, you know, very afraid because I don't think people, you know, people talk about how fears of COVID is are legitimate, but I have fears over the vaccines. And those are suddenly not legitimate. Those are suddenly dismissed. People like myself who are fearful of the vaccine, we're not just being stubborn because it's a political position. It's it's really fear. I am fearful and that's not being validated at all anytime I mention it. And I have three family members right now, three of which have got the vaccine and three of which are experiencing adverse effects. And one of them is in the hospital right now on a ventilator. And these people have had the vaccine. And Andy knows one of them. So I'm, I'm so this is like a direct experience. I'm not just like reading something online and, you know, which by the way, we've also continued to invite people if anyone wants to talk about, because these people don't want to go on record, which is fine. But if anyone wants to talk about their adverse effects after the vaccine, they can work, they, they're more than welcome to come. We haven't been reading the, the letter for people to come onto what's left, but they're more than, more than welcome to come. So I'll stop there tonight. Yeah, it's a mouthful. Yeah, I think it's good that we're, you know, we should start with some of the personal stuff before we get into the details of like what what's going on and what's what's true and what's 
false um, um, about the narrative of the Delta variant of the the danger. Um, I do think there's a danger, but I think the Delta variant is the least of our dangers. And I, and I personally am much more afraid of the effect of either the mRNA gene therapy things from Moderna or Pfizer or the J&J one, um, the Johnson & Johnson one, which doesn't use mRNA, but uses double-stranded DNA and has a human adenovirus shell to it. Both of them would force, if, if they worked, both of them would put an entirely foreign protein called the spike protein and cause my cells to express that protein on their surface. And that's if it works. It turns out the, the spike protein, at least in the Pfizer and Moderna's, as we're finding, is actually getting into the bloodstream as well. But, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a second issue. Um, so I, I don't want that in my body. That's my reason. I'm, I'm, I am unvaccinated and I, I don't want to get vaccinated. And like you said, Eduardo, UESF currently has said, um, and based on an MOU, Memorandum of Understanding Agreement that we reached last year, um, uh, that you can only, you must make it, make that choice available to the workers. Um, but you, but they didn't say to mandate it. Um, but I think our own union is already taking language like at this time without the emergency use authorization or under emergency use authorization won't be mandated, but it's opening the door for when we are going to see that this, like the Pfizer one is going to be FDA approved, despite all these adverse effects, despite all the VAERS data around it, despite the fact that other vaccines, which with far fewer deaths associated with it, were taken off the shelf the minute that happened. Um, uh, Pfizer is going to get FDA approval. Um, and then I, I'm concerned my union is going to blink and force, uh, or at least try to say, if I want to work in a school, that I have to be vaccinated, um, which I won't do. And I'm, I'm not, I do think we should oppose it for political reasons. Um, but my individual position is mostly out of fear of either short-term effects, possibly, but more, more of the ones that worry me, this is so experimental. This is so out of the norm of anything that's being been done. People are literally having experiments done on their bodies by having completely foreign proteins put onto the surface of, of cells that never were meant to have that protein. And that's how the thing's supposed to work. That's not if it fails to work, that's if it works properly. And I don't want to be part of that experiment. So um, I'm going to do everything I can to not get vaccinated. And that would mean I would leave my job if I had to. If I had to. Um, I'd fight it, but I don't know if I'd be successful. But I love teaching at San Francisco, but I won't teach under those conditions. Um, so that is very stressful for me, but that's the reality. As it is, I'll be forced to... Um, do regular testing, PCR testing. And at first I thought it was just going to be people like me unvaxxed um, with masks. And now that they, they've had to admit that essentially the vaccine doesn't do anything to protect you from what they're calling the Delta variant. I don't think it does much to protect you from any of this stuff, but the very least they're saying this Delta variant doesn't protect. Now they're basically saying people who are vaccinated can, ha can have as much, um, viral load as people who are vac unvaccinated and, and and can transmit this thing just as much as unvaccinated people. And so now they're saying everyone has to mask up. Now the masks don't do anything, but 
now unvaccinated teachers are masking, students are masking. Um, that's what that's what's going to happen in the school year, which I think is going to be really unpleasant. Um, and by and large, I suspect, oh, the, the district is saying that we have to reveal our status. Like you must reveal to them whether you are vaccinated or unvaccinated, um, which I which I personally believe is a is a break of people's medical privacy. Um, and but that is also again, this is part of the conditioning that's coming is like we are we are being trained to give up any sense that we have privacy or autonomy and any sense of control of our body. That's a piece of I think what is really taking place here. Um, uh, there's other things I think that are going on, but that's just a piece of it. So, um, and it's chip by chip, uh, you know, br brick by brick, they're breaking this thing down. Um, but, uh, that I don't, I'm really, I'm really irked at having to do that, but I'm going to report that. And in light of the fact that, as you know, Eduardo and Kenny, that my administration is not necessarily happy with my past practices and, you know, and I even my colleagues are not happy with my position around reopening schools or vaccines or masks or PCR testing. Um, I do think I'm going to have a target on my back um, or on my chest even during school. So I'm going to have to watch myself and, you know, dot my eyes and cross my T's um, because once, I don't think it'll just be administration. I think it'll be my my colleagues, my fellow coworkers who are going to think, oh, well, he's dangerous, so we're going to watch him. And if he's doing something that we don't agree with, we're going to report that. That's what I think is going to happen. I think that's the environment I'll be stepping into because we are in an environment that is snitch, like it's a snitch world right now. It's a McCarthy-like world of, you know, and and unvaccinated people are con are being talked about like terrorists, like bioterrorists, essentially. And um Medical so-called medical misinformation is being talked about like a hate crime. Um, and so this is the world the left has um, embraced. It's not fighting it. The left in this country, in this, in this yeah, country is embracing this kind of world um, and saying it's the right thing. Um, whereas at least, and this is what Eduardo was saying, millions of people in Europe see through this um, and the parts of the left see through it. People on the right see through it, um, and it's it's shameful that we don't have, we don't have a response yet, and we will need to make a response, or else, or else, the Chinese ruling class, and the U.S. ruling class, I think, are leading this, and unless we workers in workers in China or workers in the United States stand up against it, it, it the, the 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 ruling classes in Europe will have to follow, um, and they will have to break their own working class. Um, so we have a job to do here. So. And we're not doing it. I should give credit as well that, uh, you know, they're in Australia, which is they're having the most draconian COVID, zero COVID policies, right? They want, yeah. they're even deploying the army yeah. um, and protesters are being brutally attacked there. I was reading that they're, mis you know, manhandling women and children and removing elderly off the streets. And only 15.5% of the population have been double jabbed, which is why they're reacting in this way hysterically. But we should look at Sweden that didn't impose lockdowns and they're suffering fewer COVID deaths than uh, I would presume. I, I, I don't know. I, I won't say about USA and, and Sweden, but I know for sure I read that it was then, then Australia and they've achieved, some scientists are saying, herd immunity. So, I mean, it's, it's wonderful that that's happening over there. It's just disappointing and pathetic that it's not happening here. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, there's one pushback. There's a not, there's a restaurant owner in Los Angeles that is saying um, requirement to enter unvaccinated people. You have to prove that you're unvaccinated or something like that. I read. <laughs> this is the the deli in Albany. I don't know where here in the Bay. Area. Yeah, it's up here and up in uh, up uh, north of me. There's I think in Alameda almost, or maybe cl close to Berkeley, up right above it. There's a, a deli that where the guy was basically saying um, only unvaccinated people can can. Now I don't <laughs> agree with that, but I, I at least I get it. You know, it's I get you know it's like that. So yeah. Pushback. Anyhow, for me the scary part is not even the state anymore. It's like well. Obviously, the narrative is being driven, right, uh, by all the mechanisms of propaganda that we know that, you know, that galvanize support after 9-11, <coughs> galvanize support, you know, uh, to go to war in Vietnam and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. You can go, you know, and, and, and see all these patterns, you know, how this is created. And But the, the scary part is this, and it almost, like, makes me feel... Because, you know, we're all indoctrinated with narratives of the Nazis, the Nazis, the Nazis. Never associating, you know, the U.S. doing the same shit as the Nazis and actually embracing Nazi ideology, bringing scientists here to conduct those horrible experiments and, and, and you know, and, and exporting them, you know, torture techniques all over the world. Um, and, um, again, we are indoctrinated with be, being afraid of Nazis. And, and, and wondering how the fuck do people, you know, follow and, you know, and, and, and are able to believe in something against their will, you know, in, 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 in falling behind, falling in line. And here we are, the left, you know, the left is leading this charge. In San Francisco, we're the most compliant city there is around this shit. And... It's not the city pushing it on them. It's 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 people, businesses, you know, like business owners, people themselves policing each other. Like you said, snitching and all this stuff. Stuff. It, it's scary because again, this is just the beginning. You know, like I I think of this as again the new uh, enemy, right? Like the enemy that we need to go to war. You know, we are fighting an invisible, you know, very mobile thing. And that, that, that can come from anywhere, especially China and India, right? Those dirty places, you know? And, I, and that's another thing that bothers me, how people don't interrogate the racism that's behind this shit too, you know? And just like, just like our war in Iraq, you know? Just like the biggest threat that the U.S. ever faced. And, and, and here we are again, repeating the same story, rebuilding, you know, building up a, a, a surveillance apparatus. You know, a a is socially um, and it's even more insidious because it's more personal, more intimate. You know, and our enemy is your neighbor. You know, is the person that didn't get vaccinated, your coworker. You know, so it it, it does remind me more of the it does remind me more of the uh, Red Scare. You know, like McCarthyism, like you said. You know, how people were turned against each other, and and that is the antithesis of community for me. Well, I would say that. The issue of this being like Nazi Germany is not an exaggeration. And the area where we know it's exact, it is taking place is, was it Kenny or was it Eduardo Yu who spoke about knowing people who were put under duress, who felt the duress of having to get vaccinated? That was Eduardo, okay. No, well, but I know people too. I know a lot of people in the medical field. <laughs> in the yeah. Medical field. 
Well, there is something called the Nuremberg Codes. As many people know, the Nuremberg Codes came out of the Nuremberg Trials, which were basically trials of the, the, of the actions of Germany, Nazi Germany, I think Italy as well. I don't know if it included Japan, but, but at least I know it, Germany and I believe Italy. And people know that there was experimentation done on people in Germany, right? And the idea, the part of the Nuremberg Codes that came out was to say, you cannot force people, if there's an experimental treatment that you want to do, which is what the Germany was basically using Jews and the disabled and other groups to basically be guinea pigs on experiments that they wanted to do. It wasn't out of cruelty, although it was insanely cruel. It was out of science. Like, why well, we want to learn something. How, what would be the effect of these drugs on so and so, such and such a group of people? And, and they forced them to do it or put them under duress to do it. And the Nuremberg codes are explicit in saying it is it is it is commensurate with fascism to force people to take something that's experimental, and that is what our government is doing right now. They are and they are breaking the Nuremberg code, and they know it. All right, and it it, it, it we even have laws that supposedly say, well, I mean, they do say it, that say it. You're, it's illegal to to cause to allow employees to be forced to take an experiment something that's experimental use. And it's happening right now, and no, and you'll notice that no actor in the state is trying to is trying to say, "Oh well, we got this law, you know, we can't do that." That's because these laws don't matter, like because the state will do what it needs to do. Because there is a they they are calling it like a war, and the terrorists here are the unvaccinated. They are the traitors to the war on COVID, or what they're calling the war on COVID, which is really a war on workers. And as all wars are for capitalists, capitalists never are making war on the thing they're doing. They're always making war on the working class. And that's this is, again, what's happening here. Um, so I just want to spell it out that these are not um, exaggerations. This is actually what's happening. And it's and it we're only at the beginning um, because I do think, you know, the prison that's being constructed is being put together not by the state but by the people who are going to be in the prison it it makes me think of um you know institutions liberal institutions like the aclu right where the hell are they on this you know like yeah they're fully committed to let this shit happen they're not about protecting civil liberties like their names say you know like they're they go a lot you know the liberal institutions are actually the ones pushing this harder you know, in, in, in the binary that is constructed in, in, in the public narrative, you know, the right wing is fighting this more than the left. And, and but I, we know, like, we were prepared and conditioned through four years of, 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 of um, you know, the worst, right, maniac there is, even though, you know, Biden is already surpassing, you know, Trump in, in terms of, like, He's uh, blood in his hands, especially abroad. Um, you know, we were conditioned into believing that you know the right wing are ignorant and brutes and they don't know anything. You know, and they're fascists. They're the fascist ones. But look at us now. I mean, yeah. having to go to a bar, you know, entering a bar and being asked about your medical history. And this is an interesting back and forth here because I think we're exploring something here, which is now the state and tyranny. But go ahead, Andy. I, I have my thoughts on, on an article I wanted to read a paragraph on. So it's not about... Well, well go ahead. 
I, I was likely to probably just transition because I think the way they're, the way they're getting this to be done is not just through ideology of, of, of distorted facts, but through a, a culture of fear that they are, that they are creating, like they are terrifying people. Um, and like, I think they're treating the population like a torture victim, giving, keeping them confused, but keeping them constantly afraid and constantly on edge. Um, and the Delta variant is a part of that strategy. And they're using scientific language, right? And, and to give it credibility, create that fear, steer that fear. What you both are sharing brought to me the this article that I read, which I don't want to read the entire thing, but I do want to share it with you all because Biden said to, he said a remark, he said, and killing, he said that uh, he was, social media giants are killing people by hosting misinformation. This was recent, this was on the 19th of July. And there is a collusion happening right now and a real collusion. And it's not any collusion gate. It's a real collusion between censored tech and Biden, the Biden administration. All right. So this was a. This is just from the Associated Press, uh, which is Biden killing remark was called for big tech to act. Right. This is like almost encouraging big tech. And I'm not going to actually read that right now. What I wanted to share was this article I came across. This was a very strong, good opinion piece, and I wanted to share what because we were talking about something around this and it says this is by this is from newsweek and it's an opinion piece by ben weingarten mm -hmm. and this is i'm not going to read the entire thing like is it right here as america witnesses with shock the biden administration's open and unbashed collision with big tech to censor those engaging in COVID speech it deems problematic the administration's allies promising the same with respect to SMS carriers, which are our phones, our phones. And Andy, you brought that up at some point. And they threatened to door-to-door -door vaccination campaign. We were talking about, well, I'm not so sure if I, I'm very keen on comparing it to Nazi. That's not my opinion necessarily. But but we were talking about persecution and we're talking about also uh, uh, McCarthyism. That's what Kenny had said. So, and there's a threatened door-to-door -door vaccination campaign. C.S. Lewis old saw that saw that a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive comes to mind. Again, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. That reminds me, if people want to see iRobot, when the three laws and the robot said, you know, that humans have what? Humans are the their, their own destruction. And that's why that robot, I forget what her name was, if people saw the film iRobot, and there's even a book based on it, um, the robot was trying to oppress and trying to cause curfews on the people because they were their own, right? Uh, they were trying to exercise uh, for the good of its victims. Mm -hmm. And the issue at play here is manifestly not coronavirus vaccine efficacy, vaccination rates or public policy messaging, but the deeper question of who gets to determine the content of speech and the contours of our public discourse, a free sovereign people or an insular ruling class? It's not about whether a ministry of truth that lies and obscures all the time can be a competent arbiter of the quality of information, but whether there should be a ministry of truth at all. And so it's a good article, but it's talking, because we're talking about um, McCarthyism, persecution. We're talking about like 
So I was thinking about like the freedom of speech. Free peoples begin their descent to unfreedom when they permit their leaders to grab powers in violation of their natural rights on grounds of public health and national security. Typically, this process begins with seemingly minor interventions in the most seemingly unobjectionable areas so as to generate the least resistance. But just as 15 days to slow the spread, I don't know if I'm gonna include that right now, we're not talking about that, but I mean, it, it talks about how we are set up and conditioned slowly by the ruling class in the guise, right? The guise of making sure that they are trying to protect us. And we're being like, there's just no way they're censoring us. And, and there's a collusion between big tech and the Biden administration. And here's what I will say. I didn't, I'm not too sure. I'm still, I have some conflicts and I've thought about, I mean, I've heard it before uh, about the Nazi uh, comparison. I'm, I have some issues around it, but I have also thought, well, that's the beginning, right? The stages. But the thing is, for me, it's understanding that these things don't happen like that. They don't happen just, they happen over time. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to live in a totalitarian government. I don't want to live under an authoritarian government. And I don't want to be, have my freedom suppressed under some guys. Look at what happened with 9-11. We don't have to go so far. So I just, what I, I guess what I'm really afraid of is all this combating of coronavirus misinformation is actually what we need to be really looking at because it's under the pretext of, oh, we're trying to save lives, no? And I don't think that, that that's hard for people to land. I know, especially amongst my friends, they're just, everything is about COVID, COVID, COVID. And that's like, I'm not saying COVID does not exist. What I'm saying is there has to be weariness. And, and that's what I'm really afraid of because under national security, there's gonna be a lot of changes in our society. Well, you mentioned in that article, or they mentioned in that article, um, teams going into people's houses, um, and Biden White House was talking about deploying what are what they're calling Delta variant response teams across U.S. communities with low vaccination rates. So they're actually labeling it even more specifically Delta variant response teams, and that. So, and it isn't just a collusion of the Biden administration or the ruling class with big tech. It's collusion with the CDC, with the FDA, with with all the institutions across the board. This is a, a ruling class, a capitalist class plot, really. And um, I understand the reasons to not. The U.S. doesn't require fascism right now. I don't because I think the working class isn't organized well enough to require a, a fascist movement. But um, what we are seeing is. The true, I believe we are seeing the true face of the capitalist class in power. Um, and uh, with that, without all the, the things where they hide behind certain elements of democracy that are not never true. I think we have, we have lived our entire lives, I claim, under an authoritarian form of rule. Uh, we just have never seen it that way. And we've been able to see other things that look nice a little bit in shiny objects that they would put in front of us to tell us that, oh, you get to vote and change things when it turns out that you can't change anything with a vote. I mean, I'm not getting into that discussion necessarily, Edward. I'm just saying there's really is nothing you can change. They just give you that. And now they give you that impression. And now more and more things are being stripped away 
they're just taking away, they're just moving, moving away the, the, the dressing to, uh, you know, the velvet glove and revealing the mailed fist behind, you know, the metal fist underneath. And I think that's what we're seeing is that that really is the true, that is the true state of capitalism and the capitalist class in power. And, and we're seeing it now. Who would like to start about what you've heard about the, the Delta variant? I think everyone knows we've been made to be frightened of it. So what have people heard um, and what, are, what, are, what have they come to conclude about the Delta variant? I can, oh, yeah, let's go to Eduardo go and Eduardo then Ken. Well, I'll just say one that it's more transmissible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've heard that it's more infectious, that it comes from, it developed in India, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it comes from this, like, that is India more popular, more populous than China? I don't know. But it, but it comes from India, and you know it's it's particularly interesting because India had hundreds of millions of people uh, going on strike, you know, last year, and um, there was no massive outbreak of, of, of you know this until like months down the line, supposedly. Uh, I don't know what's on the ground, really, what's happening in India. You know, I don't. But uh, there's claims that it's ravaging. Uh, Indian, the Indian uh, population, and it's now making it to the rest of the world, right? Like it's appearing in places, uh, like it's it's not even like a massive outbreak yet, right? But it's the fear of it that it, it, there is like uh, cases, isolated cases. At least that's what I understand. Yeah, I'm. I've heard that there is a situation where they are finding that the majority of cases that are now being found in some places, like say Massachusetts, I think was a recent one are now being being described as the delta variant cases as opposed to previous variants that were alpha and beta i don't think we, i don't know if the other one was called gamma but um the i know there's alpha beta and and delta let me see what the other one was called hold on lambda or something like that oh no it was gamma gamma there's a okay so we've had alpha beta gamma and then now we have delta we have delta plus there's talk of a lambda one and then there's talk of an epsilon um variant um, and the other thing I, I would, I mean, again, it depends who you read, but it is more infectious. Um, it seems, appears to be, at least that's the way it's described. Um, and, but the, there isn't, it's not just infectious, it's whether it's also virulent. That is what percentage of people would die from it if they got it. And the, there isn't really much evidence or there's mixed evidence as to whether or not it's more virulent than, um, than the the initial uh, SARS COVID, you know SARS the the initial variant or whatever it was of, of COVID. Um, so there is belief that it's more contagious, but not necessarily that it's more virulent um, in terms of the in infection fatality rate. So that part might be the same or even less. Um, although there are studies that are done that are used to see how well the 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 um, the, the thing binds to an ACE receptor and things like that to suggest that maybe it does more damage if it binds better, if the, if the particular Delta variant of the spike protein binds better with the, with the ACE, there's a suggestion that then might, might be more virulent, but that is not proof. That's just a binding experiment. Um, so there've been things done like that. Um, and the other things I, I mean, these are things that I know, which is, you know, just as many, it, it's, it affects unvaccinated and vaccinated. Um, it can be spread by unvaccinated people or vaccinated. 
um, and can infect both groups. Um, and in fact, in a British study showed that vaccinated people were six times more likely to die from the Delta variant than unvaccinated people. And that was done in, in, by a public health study in, in England. The articles I read in, in the conversations, the, the sense is that, um, the narrative is that uh, it's the spread of this new variant is due to the unvaccinated. Like the unvaccinated are, are, are the reason why um, this is multiplying and like, you know, threatening our, our lives again. I don't have anything I want to add to. I'm just, I guess the only thing I'll say to Kenny's point is, yeah, that, that's what exactly one of my friends is telling me that they telling me don't declare your status to anybody because there, there's a lot of hate. There's a lot of madness and there's a lot of upsetness and culpability towards the unvaccinated um, because they're the ones who are keeping this going when right. I keep trying to say COVID's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. I'll start here, actually, um, with this thing about Barack Obama planning a 60th birthday party um, and, you know, 475 confirmed guests and 200 people planning it. And they said, well, you know, you can be vaccinated if you want. Uh, there, there's no talk of masking or anything like this. So this gives me a clue as to how worried the ruling class is about this Delta variant, despite all the fear that they are spreading about it. Um, because clearly they, uh, Barack Obama, who is older, is, would be cl in closer into that age category that you might need to worry about this thing. Um, uh, he knows enough not to worry. And the same was true of like when those, all these Silicon Valley people met down in Sun Valley, they weren't masked. They were doing, this was back in June or something like this. They were all meeting with nothing, you know, like, so the capitalist class doesn't act like when they're doing their own thing, they don't act like they're worried about some Delta variant or Epsilon variant. Um, that's important to understand. And it's part of the evidence for why there is not that we should, but why what we need to be worried about is not the Delta variant, but people like Barack Obama or this ruling class. Um, so that's one thing. Um, but um, the, the thing I'd say here is there's, this was, this is actually an article from 2018 of a study done that said, Leaky vaccines can produce stronger versions of viruses. Now, what's a leaky vaccine? A leaky vaccine is a vaccine which doesn't, which which does produce antibodies, and and does a little bit to the virus, but doesn't stop transmission. Because that's a that's a bad one. Because basically, what it what that what that does is it basic when you treat people with a that a bunch of vaccines that don't stop transmission and don't stop infection. Um, then what you really allow for it to happen is that the, the viruses are essentially, you're creating a selection process for viruses to mutate, which they do all the time, and to figure out how to survive in the environment that they are, this new environment where the vaccine is present, and then they survive and then they move to another host, which is why they're more dangerous. And this is actually the, 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 the if you, you might've heard there was a scientist in Belgium Dr. Boche, who basically asserts that vaccines are like antibiotics in that when they are both overused and imperfect, they allow germs to mutate, or in this case, viruses to mutate in dangerous ways. With antibiotic use, the bacteria that have developed a mutation or acquire a gene that give them protection from the antibiotic will escape death and soon become the dominant strain. That's antibiotic resistance. 
Boche claims that the same thing will happen with coronavirus because he says the vaccines are imperfect and they will allow the virus to keep uh, being transmitted from person to person and thus mutate inside of us until a dangerous new variant emerges. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, the current ones are not, not that dangerous, but he suspects the later ones may become more dangerous. Um, and this isn't just something, like, like I said, that was, this is not unknown stuff. This is normal stuff. It, in fact, uh, this study that I'm citing here was done with chickens. And this dude, um, like there were chickens who have had to go through multiple rounds of viral treatments because the viruses didn't fully stop and were somewhat leaky. So they had to create a second virus to deal with the, with a second vaccine to, um, to, to uh, deal with the next stage of virus. Um, and this guy did an experiment of like, basically uh, he had 100 chickens that were unvaccinated and 100 chickens that were vaccinated. And he saw when he, when he challenged them with various levels of virulent viruses, that the more virulent viruses emerged out of the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group, the ones that were most damaging. Um, and so this was in a study done back in 2018. Um, so this is nothing new. And so I think there's all sorts of evidence to suggest. And in fact, if you look at where the host countries are, where the variants emerged, India, UK, and California and New York, these are all places where they started with the vaccine studies. And you can actually tie some of the times where the, where the variants began to emerge, where these vaccines were being studied. So, and South Africa is another place. So all of these places seem to be places where the vaccine was first introduced, maybe not launched, but at least started in study form. Um, so I think what we're seeing here, and I think there's scientists who believe that this is what's happening, is we are seeing a set of variants that are being produced because we have a, a mass vac vaccination campaign for a vaccine that does not affect transmission or um, infection, but again, only deals with symptoms. And that it um, that it's being done on a mass scale, so it's basically creating all sorts of conditions to find different where out of where a host of variants can emerge from different people and then move from person to person. Whether that person, I mean, it's probably coming out of the vaccinated people, going to unvaccinated people, and then going back to uh, new vaccinated people because there's very little protection provided from infection by the vaccine. The only the only thing that it, that it affected were symptoms. At least that's what the studies that. Moderna and Pfizer and J&J &J did. So um, that's my opening bid for some of the science of this. So maybe I'll, I'll stop there and see if people either have questions or comments. I don't have any. I just want to just the questions rather. I, I have a comment to say to your um, to our, um, people listening through the audio um, that one of your um, your citations is actually fact checked from a mainstream source, I suppose. I saw <laughs> not, yeah. to say, not to dismiss other sources, but I, I'm simply saying for those that love that kind of stuff now, and I used to be one of those people. So I, I, I <laughs> so I just, I'm pointing it out for people. Yeah. So I'll read this thing from, this is actually from that leak, that article on the leak. It says the less than perfect vaccines create a leaky barrier against the virus. Vaccinated individuals may get sick, but have less severe symptoms, but the virus survives long enough uh, long enough to transmit to others, which allows it to survive and spread through a population. And this is a quote. Our research demonstrates that the use of leaky vaccines can promote the evolution of nastier hot viral strains 
that put, in this case, they're just saying unvaccinated individuals at greater risk. But in our case, it's going to put vaccinated people at risk because, and Kenny, this was what was interesting to, for me to hear about people reporting sick at work. And Eduardo, this gets back to the people we know in common who've been vaccinated, but themselves are starting to develop colds now, is this gets down to the, the problem of antibody-dependent enhancement. Uh, let me stop sharing for a second. Um, antibody-dependent enhancement, which is the, and this, we, again, we saw this with all forms of coronavirus vaccines produced back in the 80s, back in the 90s, when SARS-1 came out, they, they were unsuccessful at, at creating a, a SARS-1 vaccine or MERS vaccine, because when they, in, they, would, they would inject animals with these vaccines they were trying to make, and the, the animals would develop antibodies, which suggested they were mounting an immune response. But it turned out when you re-injected those, when you reintroduced a virus, the same virus or coronavirus to those animals, they got super sick. And some of them just died. That's called antibody-dependent enhancement. And that's, and that's something that some vaccines do. And you only find that out over time. And that's why, that's why the FDA approving this thing in seven months, when it's usually take at least seven years, is criminal. You know, because they're not even giving it enough time to see the ADE effects, which I actually believe there's enough, I think there's enough evidence now to suggest that ADE is a real thing that people have to worry about. And, and Eduardo, we know some people who are getting sick and getting colds from vaccines. I don't know if Kenny, if you're saying, if you're finding that your colleagues are more likely are, are getting more, and that's what's going to happen. They're going to get more sick as a result of being vaccinated. That's what ADE means is it creates a cytokine storm inside of you and creates a, a massive inflammation response when you have coronavirus that you would not have gotten. You wouldn't have had that response if you weren't vaccinated. All right. Now, the question is, is, well, why doesn't um, why don't people who've who've been infected with um, uh, COVID and had the actual COVID? Why are those people not having an AD response? That's because they're mounting not just an antibody response, but a T cell response, which means there's a whole array of antigens that they're that they're able to respond to. So their immunity is much more robust. So those people don't have ADE. So if you get if you've had COVID, the last thing you want to do is put an put an put a vaccine in you because that's that's make, basically making you subject to a kind of response that might have you have an ADE response instead of relying on your own natural immunity that will come from being um, from having COVID the first time. Um, and by the way, I'll say something else. In the article that talks about this leakiness, they say there's two things that you need to do in order to reduce the leakiness. Number one is make sure that the vaccine you're using actually stops transmission. If it doesn't, that's a problem. And number two, pick an antigen, a target, that is a broad array of different targets. Don't pick a single target. Well, guess what we've just done here with these vaccines? We've picked, first of all, these vaccines, all of them, the, the Pfizer, the Moderna, the J&J, &J, the Sinovax, the Sputnik, all these vaccines, they have one target, and that's the spike protein. So that's something you don't want to do. You don't want to create a very thin antigen. That antigen is the thing you're trying to create antibodies to. You want to create a broad spectrum. That's what your body does. Your body creates a broad spectrum of antibody response. Now, how if you were going to do this, you weren't going to worry about ADE, 
the way you would do it is you would isolate the virus, you would break up the virus and make it inactive, but you'd take the entire virus and introduce that into somebody. You'd still get the ADE possibly, but at the very least, you'd create a broad spectrum of antibody responses. Those are how historically vaccines were made. Now, here's where it gets controversial. I think the reason they haven't done that with the virus is they haven't isolated the virus. And you've heard this before. They've never really isolated the actual physical virus. Or there's, there's no evidence that they've been able to do that. Is, is that this a is hard process? Is isolating the virus a hard process to do? Well, I don't know that what is difficult. It's one of the ways, it's, it's one of the categories for saying, oh, we've, we know that this thing is a virus. You actually have to isolate the physical virus. But to date, I, I have, I've heard that no paper has produced any evidence that they've been able to isolate the virus. And this is why there's people out there who go, we don't think this virus exists. And I get it. Right. And I, I should say, though, that you are making an assertion, right? It's, it's not like you have checked if that's there. You're saying there's no paper produced. Is that what you're saying? If somebody you can find me a paper, I'd like, I, I don't think it's been, it's been, I don't think it exists. Because, and I'm just going to say, if somebody can find that paper, I've looked, I've never seen a paper that showed isolation of the, of the, of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. What? Paper from like a scientific journal? From anywhere, that? yeah, from anything. Like independent studies, you know, that was like a question that I have, you know, of, you know, like how research is done, right? And in order to be having independent studies. Yeah, now, yeah, just let me be clear. You could call something a virus and not find the virus, but use other pieces of evidence. But not having that one is why one of the reasons why people have some doubts. I see. Now, if people wanted to, they can share it with Dr. Andrew Lucy. Yes, here. please send yes. me the article about where the virus was isolated um, and, who's, and who's done that. I don't think you'll find it. Yeah. You know, and for me, you know, like another thing we didn't mention here uh, regarding the, what, what we've heard about the Delta uh, variant is that uh, they've had a focus on young, the younger population. You know that it affects the younger population, and you know to me that seems like a a convenient way to push vaccination of the younger people. Um, and even though we know, right, we've talked about their own evidence shows that kids, you know, don't get nearly as affected by the virus. And so here we are, you know, potentially, right, like creating the um, what is it? The enhancement dependent? What is it? So can you antibody dependent enhancement? antibody dependent enhancement on kids, right? That have to live a long life and develop an immune system, you know, and by being exposed to other kids too, right? Be socializing, that's how we develop right. things by being exposed to, um, you know, to, to nature and things like that, like too, right? Because that's one thing I, I, that's also evidence to me, you know, that, you know, I grew up in a foreign country where like, uh, we were more exposed to things, you know, it wasn't as sanitary in any, in any Western sense of the word. And so I, I, I'm around people here that are so allergic to many things because they were protected, right? And, you know, and, 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 and so, you know, like it, it worries me, right? Like these young kids are gonna develop antibody uh, dependent enhancement you know, at such a young age. And so what, what does that vote for the future of 
again, the, the community and like the things that people are worried about right now, right? The, the things, it, and so it's interesting how that doesn't get into consideration and, and, and it's almost automatic. Like we're just waiting for, you know, people to authorize the, the vaccine, for the vaccine to be authorized to be used on younger kids. Even though we don't really understand, you know, other than what the CDC says, you know, beyond that. I mean, friends in the UK are telling me that in some clinics in the UK, they're even giving vaccines to 16 and 17 year olds without parental consent. Yeah. I don't know here in the USA if that's happening. I know. Yeah, that it is because you don't need to have, pre- they, there are federal guidelines that don't insist that the parents be, cons- con- that parents give consent. You should try. But if they don't give consent, if the kid wants it, go ahead and give them the shot. And right now we're at 12 and above, right? Yeah. 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 But I mean, I would say that if it's true that this virus um, is more contagious, it is possible that you're going to see cases starting to emerge among the younger, among younger people. But again, cases and the ability for it to do damage are two different things. So if it's if it's as virulent or not like if it's if it's not as virulent then it's actually going to have less of a chance of of doing damage to those kids than um than than the one in the the one in the past um but uh i would say that um it's it is possible and it's very likely actually and it's particularly true if people are being i personally think this is my opinion I think the vaccinated people are going to be more susceptible to bad effects um, from these variants um, because of ADE. You know, one of the stories I've heard in the industry, you know, the restaurant industry uh, through management and other people is that the, the shock, right, that vaccinated people are developing, are, are, are getting are infected with COVID, you know. And, but obviously, from my point of view, and correct me if I'm wrong, one of you, but like having the virus doesn't mean you have the illness. That's my understanding. Correct. And so just having the virus is 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 a, is a, it's it's a shock to people, right? Especially vaccinated people. And even before this, even before the vaccine was even a thing, you know, like just uh, we were with that idea that just having the virus was a death sentence. You know, and it took my family to get infected. A bunch of my family in Guatemala have gotten infected. People with highly immunocompromised systems. I've had the virus, and one version of it, if it's true that there's variants, because they have had different symptoms. And so they've, developed, they've had the illness, you know, and, and, and they've, they're fine, you know, by and large. And the other thing is like, you know, one thing that I thought about is through my brother's experience of being uh, infected with the virus, he actually developed the illness. And is that, you know, we automatically assume that, and that's the narrative, that the virus itself makes you you know, like uh, lives um, aftermath, right? Like you're tired and this and that. But my brother was 28 days laying on the bed, doing nothing, just bored out of his mind, affecting his mental state. And of course, if you're 20 days, eight days without doing anything, if you go on a hike afterwards, you are going to be out of shape, massively out of shape. You know, and that's something else that we don't consider into these things, right? Like we just associate everything with the virus because it's so in our mind. and Eduardo, you want to say something? Because I have something to say about that. Go ahead. No. Well, and also remember that that there have been doctors who are getting censured and who are actually being threatened with losing their licenses who are saying, 
we don't have to be treating COVID symptoms because you are right, Kenny. There's a few problems here. Just because you get identified as having SARS-CoV-2 in you, that does not mean you have COVID. doesn't mean you have the symptoms of COVID. But if you do begin to develop symptoms of COVID, there are doctors out there who are using ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin B1, vitamin C, uh, uh, various um, steroids, well, a steroid that I can't pronounce, um, but are using these to develop a treatment to deal with the symptoms. And people are, are having great responses because they say, basically, you know, all I have to do is keep people out of the hospital. And that's what they're doing. And so if I don't know if your brother got to had that had had that kind of treatment. And that's what should be happening here, because particularly if you have a vaccine, which supposedly only affects symptoms, don't vaccinate. Deal, take these drugs, which are much, which have already been used broadly and for a much longer time and have much more known side effects and very much reduced side effects. That's what you do. But again, and this is another problem, in order for the drug companies that are producing these vaccines to get emergency use authorization, they had to show that there was no other treatment available that people could use. So that's why these doctors who are using this have to be shut down because it's one of the legal avenues that Pfizer and Moderna and J&J have used to say, oh, give us emergency youth authorization because there's no other possible treatment for this thing other than a ventilator, which is going to kill you. Just This is what you're saying right now, lives in these drugs, these, uh, you know, other way, other treatments, right? Um, this is this is where the, the, uh, the fact that we are so blinded from what's going on outside the world, we really don't know. We, most people don't know what's going on in France. Most people don't know what's going on in, in Australia other than the fascists, the alternative, right? Like we're not doing that. We're doing the, the passports. But also, you know, I have a different vantage point. All those treatments that you mentioned, Lipson, they were given to my family in Guatemala. They were given a package with, you know, zinc, all this vitamin C, all this aspirin, blah, blah, blah. You know, they were given a package, you know, and they were fine. You know, none of my family had been hospitalized. Not to say that there are cases, right? Of course, there are exceptional cases to anything. But we, we use the exceptional as the norm. And again, we are blinded that this has happened in Mexico and in Guatemala. That's how doctors are treating this. But here, like you said, exactly, my brother went through that shit here. You know, and I have other friends that have gone through this in the early beginnings of, of this. They didn't give him shit. They just put him in a room, being in a room bit scared. One of my friends had COVID and she, um, she wasn't, the symptoms that she felt were more from anxiety than the actual, you know, illness. Yeah. I guess what I wanted to, what I want to add is just to your comment, well, expand more on your comment about doctors being censored. I don't see how we are going to be able to, it's just so hard. I was talking about earlier that article that I was reading that I shared my screen with. And this, I, here's what I, I wasn't very comfortable comparing what's going on to Nazism. I was more comfortable comparing it to McCarthyism. Mm -hmm. But here's what I will say that is a bit more radical that I feel not more radical than Nazism. Like I feel more comfortable saying this, what I want to say. I think the Biden administration will be one of the worst administrations, more worse than the Trump administration, given in what direction we are going. And that's very, um, it's not very, it's out of character for me to say that. 
but it's because of what you said, Andy, is what you're saying. And what I want to add to is it's, it's doctors not being able to speak out. You know, it's this censor tech and journalists. And I found another article um, when I was doing some research before the, the episode. And there are journalists that are now coming together because they're, they're feeling they, that COVID news has been censored to create one official narrative. And I found it. This one is here where it says, journalists claim alternative COVID news. And this is uh, from the Press Gazette. Uh, and and almost, I'll just read very little, but it's almost 30 journalists have banded together to object to censorship and fear-mongering about COVID-19 that they say has been put out by the media and tech giants since the pandemic began. The group who have called themselves holding the line, journalists against COVID censorship, have argued that the attempts to share concerns counter to the one official narrative or one scientific, in quotes, truth, have led to reporters being criticized by their managers, freelancers being blacklisted, and the public receiving a distorted view of the truth. Unprecedented reporting. Elijah, who came up with the group's name and found it therapeutic to talk to others with the same concerns, told Press Gazette, it's been unprecedented the way COVID-19 has been reported in the UK but not just in the UK, worldwide. There's only been one official narrative played out in the mainstream media, and that has not changed over time. There's only been one scientific truth allowed to be discussed, then the one endorsed by the worldwide governmental regulatory bodies, even that has been very selective. This has given the public a distorted view, and which is sort of repeating, but that was more his quotes of what was said earlier in the first paragraph. But what is wrong with debate? What is wrong with... You know, I used to think if people look back at what's left episodes, that there was there there was a need to sort of quell or constrain or restrict certain voices because there could be, you know, like my my fear at that time was Alex Jones, and people can look at those episodes and and as I had shared in the COVID journey of mine in the other episode two weeks ago, it's it's this that I'm beginning to see that even journalists and doctors that are too fear, that are with fear because of reprisals in newsrooms, in clinics, in hospitals. And coverage is very hard these days. You know, I have to write down all the, the websites we are sharing with each other and I have to have it on a document so that I can click on the link of the website and go to it because I can't find it in any of the searches on web browsers. You have to save this information. So, it's it's challenging and i don't know how else i mean that's why i do think that biden administration is going to be in history one of the worst administrate one of right but i can definitely start feeling that this is we're not we're ready this is 2021 what will the next three years look like and this is from one else this is my last one here i'll just read this is from a listener which she wants to maintain herself anonymous and she emailed me and she's my friend and she listens to what's left. And she said, one of the biggest takeaways to me is what if the science is wrong? All of these pro-vaxxers blindly trust the science, but science is never settled. And these scientists sure don't have a good track record. And she lists a bunch of things. And she goes on to say, so they expect us to sacrifice ourselves for the common good. 
in quotes. But if all lemmings are running over the cliff to their deaths, then I'll just wait and see till the, quote, settled science changes. We only have time, dot, 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 to wait and see, dot, dot. I'm just trying to prepare myself mentally because all the vax people have been pathogenically primed. In the animal studies, all of the animals died when they came across the virus later on. But most people won't listen or if it, or it's too late for them. So personally, I'm just trying to psychologically prepare for the dark winter. And the dark winter is the reference to Bill Gates. So that's from one of our listeners who listens to us, the three of us, and the wet's left in general. And so I thought I'd share from one of our listeners because I think I should, I'd like to also give him a voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what, what she's talking about is the pathogenic priming is another term for ADE. Um, and she's talking about the, exper- the experiments that were done there. And the irony here is that if, if we hadn't run this through Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, um, Pfizer, CDC, WHO, if we hadn't let those people run the show, but had basically allowed people to get COVID, if you, I mean, people are going to get COVID, but treat them in the way that the doctors who had the treatments in Guatemala and Mexico had done, and they already knew about it there, then what that would have meant is though, as people would get COVID, and then you'd have, instead of this antibody response that comes from the vaccine, you'd have the T-cell antibodies because you did get COVID. You did mount a full natural immune response to the thing. You got sick and suffered. Because again, let's remember, only 20% of the people who actually got the, the infection even got sick. But if you were in that 20%, um, you, and, and you were able to be treated with these things that Kenny was talking about, or the, some of the American frontline doctors are talking about the hydroxychloroquine or the ivermectin, then you would have a T cell immune response. That's a broad antibody response to, to future. Then you don't have variants. So then, then you have what's called herd immunity and you don't have to vaccine, vaccinate a single person. But the, but again, now what has, what has uh, Fauci done? Fauci said, well, you know, we used to think that herd immunity was going to be a 70%, 70% vaccination he was talking about for a vaccine that doesn't affect transmission or infection, which itself is a lie. Now he's saying, well, with this Delta variant, now we've got to go 80 or 90%. And, and this is basically the Delta variant is being used as a fear weapon to drive everyone into vaccination, because that is what's going to put us into the situation where they can do QR codes, whether you go into a bar for your job. And this puts us into the big data analytics situation where everyone gets to, they get to collect our data. We're, we're on a digital dashboard with around our health information and our employment information and our schooling information. And essentially all our information is, is open to the people who want it, which is Silicon Valley, the U.S. government. And they're, they're using it to build their AI. They're using it to control us, to surveil us and to influence us. Um, and it's, and we are being put into this giant data mill, um, but in, at the at the at the um, risk of our own health, and it's uh, it's wrong. No, it's just yeah, it's wrong. It's scary, and uh, because again, it's uh, you know we've become the agents of you know executing those plans 
you know, it, it, you know, if we have been infected, you know, but it's not, it's not a virus that goes into your, you know, your, in a your immune system. It's a virus in our minds, and, and most people, you know, it's just in our minds now. And even people, like even I, like I'm not gonna lie, like I who, you know, listen to this, try to listen to alternative things, come up with my own things. Even I've been infected with that. You know, I I have my doubts. Like, what if I'm completely wrong? You know, what if you know that? Oh, that is more chest pain, or like you know, you know, like we still have questions about it. And you know, I see the way people look at me when I hang out with them, and you know, like how they like kind of like pretend to put their mask on. You know, like we're like, you know, like th there is just questions, and, and so this already lives in our mind, just like terrorism did. You know, and, and, and so now this is more personal. It's more like one-on-one -on -one because your neighbor, your your loved one, you know, Eduardo, you mentioned earlier, like some people are not having sex. You know, the people you interact with are are, are, are you potentially your death sentence. That's the narrative we've been we've been fed into our, our mind. And, and, and again, an idea is the biggest virus that, you know, that, that could be spread. Yeah, I don't want to go in depth about too much. I'll just share my screen and have people look at that just quickly. Uh, it's an article they can find in The Guardian, which is affecting us socially. We talked about how the pandemic was affecting people. And, you know, people were having, socially it was affecting people. And people can look up this article here. If they wish, it's the critic and no sex, please. You're unvaccinated. And it's an interesting article. I thought it was more humorous than anything. But, you know, it's serious stuff because it is happening. But people's loneliness, people's relationship status, people, everybody, you can't be on the app this, these days. Unless you claim, have you been vaccinated? Some, a lot of apps are requiring you to state your status, which is difficult. So the pressure's on. And speaking of pressure, there's this offspring is uh, is um, is one of these system. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. And Pete Parada, who has has been declared, you know, unsafe to be around it, and now, uh, you know, is being told that you can't participate anymore in the band. It's like affecting musicians, people's sex lives, right? I mean, the pressure is so strong and people can read this. This was in The Guardian. I was looking up some interesting and things. And Offspring is like, you know, I mean, I like their music. It's like fight the power, you know, uh, don't, buy, don't buy the bullshit kind of thing. And look at these guys now. Yep. Except and for I'll the just, drummer who's like, you know, trying to like stand up for himself. And he says, since I'm unable to comply with what is increasingly becoming an industry mandate, it has recently been decided that I am unsafe to be around in the studio and on tour. You won't be seeing me at these upcoming shows. I also want to share my story so that anyone else experiencing the agony and isolation of getting left behind right now knows they're not entirely alone. It's, you know, kind of sad. You know, people have to feel like they're being their livelihoods, their passions, everything. It's it's permeating everywhere. I mean, that's the real beauty. Can yeah, yeah. Um, can I show a video that I think is interesting? That sure. We'll see if we want to include this. So this is um, this woman, uh, Liana Want Wen or Want Wen, who's doing an interview with on CNN about. Um, the Delta variant and the pressure that they want to put the unvaccinated under because um, she kind of speaks for the Biden administration. On what it is
is that we do at this point. So now we have this Delta variant that is much more contagious. Because it's more contagious, it's going to be even harder for us to reach herd immunity. We're going to have to vaccinate an even higher proportion of people to get there. What happens then if we end up having another variant developing that's even more contagious, that could cause more disease, that could evade the protection of our immune system? And so how quickly we get this under control and which way we go depends on what we do now when it comes to vaccination, to overcoming disinformation. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out. But if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice. That is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic. So that to me, um, it couldn't what that woman, the way that woman was putting it, couldn't be more clear that they are using this Delta variant as a weapon to force our compliance. And they, are, they have identified the unvaccinated as the people who are the target, and they're gonna do everything they can to take things away from us. Um, but I think people who are vaccinated should ask themselves, do you think it's gonna stop here with just this? You don't think it's gonna come at boosters? You don't think it's gonna come for some other health thing where they're gonna say, you have to do this, or you're not allowed to go to work. And they've established a precedent by which the government or corporations can say where you go and where you can't go. That's what we mean by a passport. Passports aren't about freedom, dude. I mean, we all know that. For passports are about control. So when they build a passport into a vaccine passport or whatever, they are building a, a mechanism of, of control of where you work, of where you go, of where you anywhere in this country. And that's only a piece of what, what they're trying to do. But uh, they know what they know why they're trying to do it. They know why they're telling these lies. Uh, it's just a shame because I actually think these lies are fairly transparent. Like you even saw her there. She mentioned contagious. She didn't talk about it being more dangerous. She just said it could spread more. Um, and she wasn't going to tell you anything about the fact that it's the actual vaccination itself, which seems to be spreading the variants. She's not going to say that. I actually think she knows that because this because that study that was done before was 2018. But they're going to use they're going to tell any lie they can to a, a public that has made itself used to, to listening to the follow the science leaders of Biden or Trump or whatever. Um, they're going to use any lie they can to get us to do what they want. You know, like I've come to the conclusion that, you know, this. What's happening is has less to do with public health and more to do with immigration. You know, it, it, because that's about mobility. That's about, you know, who's worthy, who's not deciding, you know, who's legal, right? Like who has the authority, who's authorized to do something. So, um, yeah, and, you know, and, and the sad part is that we, on the left and even like in community groups, like we are the agents again of that, you know, and in the name of protecting the weak, the vulnerable, in the name of that, you know, we're creating a system that's gonna even jeopardize the safety of the people we care about even more. If we're not fighting these systems of you know compliance and social control. And I think 
Eduardo has mentioned in a few of his articles, I don't know if it's all of them, has mentioned Silicon Valley. And it's, it's not just about censorship for Silicon Valley. And it's, that's not the only role, is that this also is about data. And it's about big data and analytics. It's about getting people into a system where their data can be harvested and collected. And they can use that to, again, know what people are doing, to build better AI systems that they need to compete with other companies and other countries for, and also to use that AI to control and, and manipulate us um, and to, um, and, and to make, make it not happen like what's happening in France and Italy, like where people are resisting. They, they want to stop that. And they've got much bigger things in store for us in terms of stripping wealth from us and stripping rights from us. They have much bigger things in store. So they have to figure out ways of being able to, to do that with a much stronger mechanism of control. And the vaccine passport is their passport to getting in on that. I guess I'll say one last thing, which is this is becoming a long episode and that's definitely not going to be part of YouTube. But I wanted to point out that there's so much talk about also for schools that they want to mandate for children to have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the vaccine. I see it on so many Facebook groups and SF Unified. Uh, and yet, just a day ago, the BBC, which is a mainstream news source here, they've just come out with a report that long-lasting COVID-19 symptoms are rare in children. And not only that, children who became who become ill with coronavirus rarely experience long-term symptoms, with most recovering less in less than a week, the research suggests. Mm -hmm. And headaches and tiredness were most common symptoms. They weren't severe. And this is compared to adults children are far less at risk, you know? So, and there was one other here that was said, Dr. Liz Whitaker, an infectious disease lead at the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health. Uh, she said, this study is reassuring for the majority of children and young people who develop SARS-CoV-2 infection and reflects what pediatri pediatricians are seeing in clinical practice. Why then are we having discussions about vaccinating children? And you know, I was just thinking as we were talking and I was hearing you, Kenny, and I was hearing you, Andy, you know, it's interesting. We we make up a very interesting crew here because, Kenny, you've shared your experience in the service industry. Andy, your background in science and how that you look constantly at what's going on there. I'm the son of a construction worker and an educator. And, you know, I think what I just want to be left with is that we should be doing, we repeated it several times here on this episode, but we should be doing what they're doing in France. And it's an important time right now. The left and the right and the unions here for sure are radical. The union here in San Francisco, I'm sorry, is very pathetic. <laughs> but here, the union declares a strikes. Look, this is an article. If people are seeing my shared screen here, the union declared strikes against unconstitutional vaccination mandates. And this is left and right forces in France, you know? And I have never seen us, the San Francisco, at least not in my lifetime. I don't know if maybe I'm wrong, Andy. You're, you've been in the union longer, UESF, but no. I don't know many unions that have declared strikes and definitely not against these mandates, you know? And we are workers, the three of us. I just mentioned our backgrounds. This is what we should be doing instead. This is what we need to be doing as workers, mm -hmm. united, you know? 
it's it's about our choice it's about what we want and it's you know it's going to be a mixed bag like we're seeing in france so that's all i wanted to point out maybe that's where my my that's it final for my statements because i i do feel inspired by what's going on there but i do want to see it here so and this is why we need to launch workers and students california workers and students for choice oh my god are you saying <laughs> I think we should do it. Michael Kane, if you're listening, we <laughs> uh, contact Eduardo. He's ready to do this. Oh, Jesus. Con Kenny. And Kenny. I'm down. We got to do something. It has to become action. And like, it's one thing to just keep talking about it. And, you know, but like at the moment, they're, you know, picking us, you know, like uh, apart, isolated, you know, and, and again, like you said, Eduardo, like, the pressure is like making a lot of people getting, you know, the vaccine, even medical workers that I know that have, have hesit like hesitancy, right? <laughs> We've heard of that word a lot. And, you know, until recently, I think that the hesitancy is pretty high among like uh, medical workers. Um, and yet a lot of people that I know in this area because of the pressure and just about everyone here, at least, you know, the dominant narrative is that everyone has it, you know, and so the people choose to either shut up or just pretend that they have it, you know, because the pressure is so high here because we, we are the most compliant group of patsies in, in San Francisco, you know, and, and it's funny that we're so arrogant to, to call the right-wingers, you know, patsies, and, you know, but here we are doing the bidding of the state. We're so arrogant to criticize them for fighting the wars while being afraid of the state, and here we are, you know, and, and again, like in, in just talking about it, it's not going to do shit. We're going to have to do, you know, what I call power moves, you know, and, and cl claim autonomy over our lives, our bodies, our future. And, you know, this is not detached from the struggle that we have to engage in, right, to, to see a better future and create the society we want. But, you know, and I invite comrades, I invite everyone who, you know, who, is weary of the state to revisit our recent history, revisit how they got us to accept all the shit they did with the Patriot Act, you know, and all those, the surveillance state that they built, you know, that was a precursor to this, you know, that was, that was the warm up to this. Like right now we're in the, in the threshold of something massive, you know, I also invite people to go see, you know, what the fourth industrial revolution is about, because they literally tell you there, you're going to see a lot of familiar shit. You know, they're not shy about it, but they wrap it in, in a clothing of, you know, uh, social justice, equity, you know, uh, community. Protecting the environment. Protecting the environment. So go check that out. It's scary and, and, and it's moving at, at a very fast, you know, and, and, and we think it's just science fiction. But I, I was learning about DARPA, you know, DARPA, they themselves say, you know, DARPA is where science fiction becomes reality. That's kind of their motto. And so I invite people to, you know, analyze all these things and what's happening and, and, and to really test whether you're what you think, you know, really makes sense, in, in, you know, in the bigger picture and in your life. Does it make sense? You know, what you're hearing, what you're preaching, what you're talking about. I have nothing more to say. Thank you. I agree with Kenny. We have to do something. Mm -hmm. And I think we have some ideas. Yeah. And I think if people like 
this idea, this group, reach out to us because hopefully we will get started on it. If we don't get started on it soon, I guarantee you I'll do this after my wedding, but I can't start it till, till after the wedding. <laughs> but I'm hoping that my comrades here will, will be willing to get started on this sooner so we can get a bit of a jump start. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk more details afterwards. But yes, I think there should be something that should be brewing. Maybe not served yet, but at least brewing. Um, we have to start somewhere. Yeah. So I, right. mean, I, say, I think the time is now. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. All right, everyone ready? Yes. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Um, What's Left is a weekly political podcast that's channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes, wherever you found this episode or on our blog. Please write this down because this episode is not going up. I know it already. I was hearing key words from both of you. <laughs> What-s-left.webnote.com. That's our blog. Again, what-s-left.webnote.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to this podcast as channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please share your favorite episode, rate, review, uh, turn on your notifications, subscribe to any of our platforms on podcasts, which doesn't seem like they're censoring us right now, on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, we're on BitChute, Libri, LBRY, Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E, -E, uh, YouTube, sort of, and on Telegram. Uh, and if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog, just like uh, my friend did and emailed me. And uh, we can read something out loud on the episode. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lipson. And if you like the idea of California workers and students for choice, let us know in the comments and hopefully we can get you started on that. Yeah. All right. See you later. Thank you. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>